Welcome to the Money Captain Show with your host, Sky Davis. We tackle a simple concept. What happens when we get everyday people in a room and just talk money? Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the first introductory interview of uh, Money Captain. I want to start off by saying it's my absolute pleasure to introduce the audience to Walter Cruz, a human I'm proud to call an inspiration and friend. So Walter is a creator, entrepreneur, and dreamer who creates moments of critical thinking through his artwork and design. He's currently a student at Prestigious Art Institute, which I'll let him give details about later. Now, Walter, I just gave the audience a taste of what you do. Can you dig a little deeper and tell us a little about yourself? Yes. So thank you for finding my bio on the interwebs. That sounds like something I wrote before. <laughs> I totally did. You know, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, need to, I need to put another one out there so that floats for years to come. I, I, I'm not big on writing bios. Um, yeah, I think these days I like to consider myself a creative person who tries to figure out how to use art to problem solve effectively and to address different issues throughout the world and their intersections. That's great. That's great. It's, it's interesting that you talked about intersections because, you know, here at Money Captain, we spend a lot of time talking about money, the intersectionality of like race and economics, ways to help communities learn, you know, more about keeping money within our communities. Um, and also ways people are taught about money growing up. Right. So if we could move a little into, you know, you talking about your past and how you grew up, like yeah, how, sure. was the, how was the topic of money handled growing up? Yeah, I mean, I come from a family of little means, you know, by far we were not rich. We were rich in other ways, just not monetarily. Um, yeah. I think, in the earlier part of my life, money wasn't something I thought about. It was more of like a necessity. Like my mom was constantly working, you know, like when we were younger, my mom was going to get her associate's degree right here in the Bronx at Monroe College. But part of it was she was young and we were little. So they had daycare. So she would often put us in the daycare at the campus, go to class, and then right after class, go to work. So for me, money was a lot of like, how are you using it to fund the things that are necessary? You know, it, I didn't see it much as a luxury. Um, and it wasn't to, to share a slightly personal story, which my mom would probably hate. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was a really humbling situation when I was around, like when me and Cleve, my twin brother out of my other brothers. When me and Cleve were, I want to say like, tw we, we were like 12. We used to be in this camp. There was, this, it still exists, this organization in New York called Fresh Air Fund that sends kids from the city to camps for free during the summertime. Um, and we were in this summer camp and it was, I think we had upgraded or like evolved to the one that was like, a month long, it starts off like a week and then you could keep growing until you get to like a month. So this month long one, we're like really hyped. We're like, yo, we're about to go upstate to the woods for a month, it's gonna be fire. Like, I can't wait. And my mom, she came back and was like, hey, I got you summer clothes for the camp. And it was literally like two pairs of shorts 
and like two or three shirts. That's what we had for the month. And at the time, we didn't understand, right? We were thinking like, we're going to be there for X amount of days. How do we only have like three outfit choices kind of thing, right? And we were being mm -hmm. ungrateful in the moment. And then, mm -hmm. so we were like, what? Like, this is it. This is all we got. And then I remember, I don't remember how much time passed, but I remember going to my mom's room and she was crying because she was like mm -hmm. feeling bad. Like, this is all I had. This is what the best I could do. Yeah. So from that moment, we were like, yo, this is for real. Like, she's really out here for us. So from that moment, the idea around money shifted to like, we also got to be grateful for what we have. And then, so we were like 12. And I want to say, yeah, that was like sixth grade. So by eighth grade, like that summer, we got our first job. Yeah. And since then, I really haven't had to depend on my mom too much. So we yeah. figured out how to try to help her instead. That's that's really deep, like, you know, being grateful for what we had. Like, I feel like we share a similar, like, upbringing story. Yeah. But, like, talking about your first job, do you remember, like, what it was? Yeah, of course. Do you remember the yeah. feeling? Like, what did you do? So we worked for the fresher from the same camp that I just mentioned. What, oh, wow, that's amazing. What happened was the woman who ran it at the time, the org, her name was Jenny mm -hmm. Morgenthau, and she mm -hmm. just, like, got to liking me and my brother, and she would invite us to a bunch of different things, like to represent the camp and whatnot. And then one day, because my mom was like, we told my mom, like, yo, we're tired of wearing the same clothes. And she's like, so get a job. And we we're like, say, we we're like, we literally were like, say less. We we're like, say less. How old do you have to be? So you remember, I don't know if it's still like that, but remember back in the day, you had to get like that little blue working card that like says you can work. No. So, I didn't, I didn't start working until I was about 16, uh, unfortunately. Right. I wish, I wish, man, I wish it was like way earlier. I mean, we but only started, we started like at 14, 15, I think it was. But at the time, yeah. I think the age was when you turned 14 or 15, you could legally start working mm -hmm. in New York. But you had to get, right. we got it from my middle school. You get like this blue, before it was like this printed like blue card. That was your working yeah. paper that says you could work. Like I think your mom. Now that you say this, I think I was probably like off the books then. <laughs> <laughs> I think your mom had, your parents had to sign there or something. But so yeah. then we spoke to Jenny and then Jenny was like, oh, you guys could work for the Fresh Air Fund. So we ended mm -hmm. up working with them. And what we did was we worked at the Port Authority on 42nd Street, helping the kids get yeah, on the bus fun. to go to way to like camp. It was fun, but it was more so, it was like, we were fucking it up because think about it. We, we were 15 and yeah. back then 15 was like, I was like 15 years ago. So money went a little bit further mm -hmm. and we were, we were getting like $600 every paycheck and I was in high school and that was for the whole mm -hmm. summer. So literally, and I think my mom, when I think back, my mom was kind of like, uh, two things with money was like, I want them to have the freedom to spend the money on the things they want because they're working for it. And, then, mm -hmm. and I'm going to let them stumble so that they see how to keep the money for the things they need. Because then when we would right. spend the money and we needed for something, she would be like, well, you got paid. Why didn't you divide it properly? Why are you asking me for money yeah. or asking me for advice? And do you feel like that like stumbling mentality helped you? Yeah, because in the moment... I, I think I was, I can't speak for Cleaver, I can't speak for myself, but I felt like yeah. 
the income of having, I mean, the rush of having my own income was a really good feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I'm in the Bronx. We're, we're city kids. So I'm like, oh, I'm getting a new pair of sneakers every time I get paid. <laughs> like, I literally because back then it's not like now where everything's on the internet back then there was a yeah. bunch of like little stores you could go to around the city to get like the sneakers that nobody had so I would just yeah. take my money and go to all these boutiques and buy sneakers do you remember what you did with, with your first yeah paycheck? I literally spent the entire paycheck on sneakers <laughs> I think that summer I bought like a good 12 to 15 pairs of sneakers Oh, wow. You had the dopest closet. That, yeah, that first, because in my head, all I was thinking was, I want to wear a different pair of sneakers every day at school. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it wasn't, it took a little bit, like I would say towards the end of last summer to really be like, all right, our mom has given us enough freedom, but how are we also contributing back to the family? Yeah, yeah. And in terms of like contributions, like how did you kind of like, was there a budgeting system? How did you break that down? I can't remember. I think I would honestly just give my mom money for stuff. Like, you know, it was kind of like, all right, I got what I wanted. I should give up some too, you know? Yeah. There's some extra. Yeah. So what about credit? Like who taught you about credit? Do you remember the first time you got a credit card? Yeah, it was in college. It was my senior year of college. (laughs) And I got pre-approved yeah. for some Discover credit card. Yeah. And did your mom kind of teach you about like credit going up nah, or did you have someone? I think the conversation was in general, not just with my family, but the people around me was kind of like, just avoid credit cards because it's a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And credit in general was just kind of like, I think most people, it was a given they had fucked up credit or we just didn't talk about credit. It wasn't a positive thing for the most part. Yeah. And do you remember like how you handled the first time you got a credit card? Yeah, it was coupled with getting a refund check while you're 21. So Mm. it was just, it was a mad dash. It was spring semester, (laughs) senior year. I have a credit card and I just got the refund check. It was bad for business. I ended up having to, I maxed out the limit. And I ended up having to like pay it back and shit afterwards. Yeah. And how do you think like your upbringing kind of affected your money mentality as an adult or like as a college student? I think that, and it's something that I've actually been able to reflect upon deeply the last year or so, is that it, it reminded me that I've been part of this culture of scarcity of moving from a place of scarcity versus mm-hmm. abundance of this idea that we're stuck under these conditions that in reality, we don't always know when the next amount of money is coming in. So we try to hold tight onto what we have. Um, so it's been in the last like year or so that I've really been trying to do the opposite of moving from a place of abundance of understanding that like, I actually have to release it if I want more of it that's a that's a really deep like philosophy can you talk a little bit more about like you know talking about the culture of scarcity like yeah what brought on this mentality for sure i mean when you're growing up in the hood as you know like there's not a lot of opportunities all the time especially for making money if you're not already on track to do so so it's kind of like i actually 
can be frivolous all the time with the money because, okay, I got what I want this time, but the next time I need something, I might not have the means to get that. So it's kind of like always, it's two things, right? You tell me if this has happened to you, which is still happens to me now that I, I'm trying to break out of, is like, say you have enough money to buy something, right? Like you're already making the money. You know that you're good, even if you buy this thing and you go to the store and you're gonna buy it, then you're standing online and you're not, you're like right almost at the register and you're like, you know what, I actually don't need this. And you put it down and you just leave. When in reality, it was like, actually wouldn't have hurt me at all to get that thing. But because I'm stuck in this idea of like, I only need the bare minimum, I only need the bare minimum. So and it, it kind of becomes like, uh, for me at least, if that even is a thing like over saving. So I'm just not going to get it. Even if it could help me a little bit, I don't, at the end of the day, don't really need, I could figure out a way to do it without that thing. Even if that thing can make my life easier, just so that I don't, just so I justify not spending the money. So I don't feel bad about it, even though I shouldn't feel bad about it. And what kind of like tactics do you utilize to kind of switch your mindset? Yeah, I would say, above all meditation um and then just really believing in abundance really believing in the idea that it will always come back to you understanding the the principle around that of like release it and it'll come back and oftentimes it'll come back twofold you know and that it's also bigger than us right like for instance right now in this time in quarantine Something I've been trying to practice around abundance is that I have what I need. So how can I release the rest of it? Right. So like that looks like uh, providing money for like even just hitting up friends that I know got hit by COVID, whether it was like they lost jobs or gigs, especially a lot of artists, they live in the gig economy. So I would just hit people up and be like, yo, uh, like, could I just help you pay for a bill or something, right? Even though it means I have less money, I know that I've already covered my things. Yeah. So why not release the rest of those funds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember us having a conversation like the last time we spoke and that was just such a like, oh man, it like just definitely inspired me and warmed my heart. Why do you think it's so hard for people like to not live with, you know, a mindset surrounding? Because we get conditioned to survive, not to live. We're constantly in survival mode and that has like psychological and traumatic effects on us. So, like we actually don't get to see a lot of examples of what it looks like to live from abundance versus scarcity. So it's also it becomes an abstract understanding yeah. of a way to live. I'm like, what do you mean I could just release that and it'll come back to me. I don't know when it's going to come back to me. And which is real, which is real. Yeah. No, that's true. It's, it's the idea of like yeah. letting go, right? Because at the end of the day, we really don't we have don't. any control. That's scary. It's really scary when you have never thought about it that we have had the choice to live that way. It's really scary. Especially when you start getting into bigger amounts. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So what does like living in abundance look like to you? You mentioned yeah. that a couple of times. Like what is, can you give to me, what does that look like to you? It brings me a lot less stress. It's mm -hmm. brought me a lot of joy and happiness to understand that like, by no means do I make 
loads of money. But for the time being, I have figured out a way to cover what I need while still being able to support other people and in between get some things that I like that I might not necessarily need, but yeah. it, it brings me joy. And it's not agreed. It's not like me ODing on it. It's just like every once in a while, if I want something, yeah. you know, and I'm also someone who tries to practice supporting, you know, how right now there's like this big rush of supporting small businesses and shit. That's something I've been trying to practice yeah. for a long time. I would say like for me, I like designing stuff and like clothes and things like that. So I would say like at this point, at least 80 to 85, maybe 90% of the clothes that I wear is made by some small business. Like a shirt, a hat, a decal, a pin, whatever it is, it's probably yeah. made by a small business. And I like how like by making that choice, it almost reinforces like living in joy, right? Because we don't really have a personal relationship with like a lot of these right. big name brands, right? But like if you have a shirt on that your friend made, like, yeah, I, I right. definitely. And there's so much yeah. really dope shit that people make. That's part of why I like it too, because then it's also like, not only is it fire, but I think it's the twin complex in me. A lot of people don't have it, so I appreciate that too. That almost feels like it's like a like a secret I'm trying yeah. to let people know about. Like by wearing it, I can let somebody else know. Yeah. Like, yo, you should get this. This is from like my one of my favorite brands from the Bronx, or like one of my favorite brands from whatever. And what are like three of your favorite oh, brands that are out uh, right now? If it's the Bronx. I really like this brand, Perico, because as I'm sure you've witnessed being a native New Yorker, sometimes people that make things within the borough that they're from use that as a crutch. So like you'll see like a bunch of creative people using like they'll just plaster Harlem on everything or the Bronx and everything as a selling point. Yeah. And I really like that this brand in particular, which as we speak on this interview, I have one of the shirts on. Awesome. Um, but they're just really good about making cool things and they're from the Bronx you know it's not that they have to lead with that all the time um, and I like this other brand in the Bronx called the Bronx brand because they're also really clever like they have a sweater that I got that one of my good friends bought me shout out to Paula yeah. and it says um, public school kid which I thought was cool um, and then I would say another brand I really really love is called Rayo and Honey and they make like these text-based uh, home products, like mirrors and pennants to hang on the wall, keychains, things like that. But the black woman behind it is amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So going back into something that you uh, mentioned earlier about COVID and yeah. just like the, the, you know, gig workers and the economy as yeah. is, like how has COVID affected your view of your financial outlook? I would say I'm very grateful because a while back, which I'm sure we had this conversation before, I decided that I would intentionally work with black people and people of color in terms of like my design work and things of that nature and creative work specifically. So, you know, when shit hit the fan, I've also been in grad school. so. Like I had to be clear with them when I was starting grad school, I told all my clients like, hey, we've been working together and I love it. I just want to let you know that I'm also going to grad school 
and this is helping me pay for school. So I really appreciate the opportunity for y'all to keep me on board while I go to school. And then when shit hit the fan this year, they were all like, yo, we're here for black folks. So like, let's pivot, let's figure it out, but we're not gonna drop anybody. That's amazing. So we've, it turned into like, cause you know, you know, when you're a designer, oftentimes remote work is regular. Like you just get used yeah. to, yeah. you're not always, you don't always know what somebody looks like, but you're used to seeing their name pop up in your inbox. Right. So one of my main clients, uh, the Black Alliance for Just Immigration, Baji, I love them with all my heart. It turned into like, why don't we just start hopping on check-in calls every week or so, you know? And then from there, I was able to start seeing everybody's face. People that I email a bunch of times a week, we all yeah. started connecting on FaceTime. Like, hey, how are you doing as a person? How do we move forward as a team to make sure we're doing the things that we need to do? So that was, yeah. it felt really good to me that like, these clients that I work with were seeing me as a human being and vice versa. It wasn't like, oh shit, it hit the fan. We all out for ourselves. I was like, how do we lean into each other? Yeah. So you talked a little bit about your side hustle as being a designer. Do you have any other side hustles? I mean, I would consider that my main hustle. That's how I make my bread and butter is doing creative work for different people. What advice would you give to people listening on how to create their own side hustle? Uh, I mean, something I've been trying to navigate is consistency. Mm. I think that's what got me these different opportunities. But I would also say that there's sometimes life happens and you're not always as consistent as you can be, or you're not grounded and you don't allow yourself to be consistent as you can be. So I would say at the same time that I've been able to get opportunities, I've also lost opportunities from lack of consistency because I was like caught up in different things or I just wasn't present. Um, So I would say the biggest thing is consistency. Like just honestly, the jobs that I have now is from word of mouth and referrals. It wasn't because I applied, which I'm really grateful for. That's everything. Just like maintaining your brand and like getting your name out there. People spread it. Do good work and people spread your name. And being open to learning new things, right? Because like, just in the span of graduating college till now, only if we're talking only about the design industry, it has grown and shifted drastically in terms of how people do things. So I think it's also like being willing to learn new things. That's what I've been trying to do now is like figuring out ways to do all of my operations on mobile devices. Cause I've been in so many situations as of late where I don't have a computer or my computer breaks down or something happens with my main computer and I'm left with mobile devices. We'll soon be entering a purely mobile world. Right. Like even (laughs) for for instance, right. Like here's a real world example. So, right. So last fall, my MacBook basically dies, right. My hard drive just like crashed. It was crazy right in the middle as I needed it, but I was in school and Thankfully, the school has like state-of-the-art everything. So I was leaning on the school to use all the technology. And then COVID hit. So now we had to leave school and I had no computer. Mm. So I was like, what do I do now? Because that's literally how I make money is using a computer. But again, I was moving from a place of abundance. So I was like, I'm going to release it and see what happens. 
I was able to, through a series of fortunate events, get enough money to, to the point where I was like, I could save some more and get a MacBook or I could use the money I have now and buy an iPad. So I was like, let me buy an iPad and see how it goes. Because I bought the iPad Pro, which is like supposed, it's marketed as like the new laptop, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, let's let's push it. Let's see how far we could go with it. And so far, so good. And I love how your story just kind of like, again, goes back to your idea of like just moving in abundance, right? You go from a place where, you know, you have a intrinsic fear that's very real to a place that, you know, every your problems are essentially solved. That's, that's really inspiring to you. Only because you have to choose between, am I going to stress myself more? Or am I going to move towards a solution? You know, that's really what it comes yeah. down to. Like I could sit here and wallow. That's not going to bring me a new piece of technology. Or I could try to figure it out somehow. Yeah, that's a great, great mindset. So to end, Walter, thanks so much for like taking the time out with no us problem. today. Is there anything you want to share with the audience? Is there any way we can connect to you on the yes. interweb? You can connect to me. On my Instagram, which is the number two and the word oceans with the S. And you should also check out uh, the Arts Collective cooperative business that I've been a co-founder of called Zeal. That everyone should check out. And it's on Instagram, Zeal underscore press. Or you can check us out on our website that has all our contact information at zeal.press. And we are a space that's, awesome. that's creating space for Black artists to thrive in all directions and by as many means as possible. That's great. Please, everyone, please go out and follow Walter. He's an amazing guy. So we're going to end off with five rapid fire oh. questions. And, you know, <laughs> are you ready? Uh -oh. You ready? And just <laughs> say the first thing that comes okay. to mind. Yes. You ready? All right. Number one. Have you found yourself spending more money during COVID or less? Uh, hmm. I would say in the middle. I've been buying more things, but going back to what I said before, it's to support small businesses. And then I've been buying things to test out art ideas since I don't have a studio. Yeah, that's awesome. And what's been your biggest money purchase in the last year? Uh, probably the iPad. Mm. What do you think has been the biggest money mistake? Fuck, that's too many. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hard. I would say, oh, you know what? Let's go. Let's go back to the to college. I would say not being mm. in a position to understand how loans work. I never got taught about loans, so I was signing on dotted lines yeah. left and right without understanding what the repercussions were. And now I'm in debt for it. Yeah. So what's the weirdest thing you've ever spent money on? The weirdest thing I ever spent money on? Hmm. <laughs> trying to think. Maybe it was this one time in China where I didn't know what I was doing. And I paid to take a bus to the middle of nowhere on an island in China to a music <laughs> festival that I had no idea or business being at. <laughs> and it was it was cool and weird and everything in between at the same time. 
That's way better than the weirdest. What thing was yours? Money on. So, <laughs> um. Oh man, I have so many things. Like I, I, I buy a lot of like random tech things that I generally like don't use. <laughs> Are you one of those oh, people? Yeah. Remember that store, the Sharper Image. Uh, uh-uh, no. I just I thought what you just said reminded me. Yesterday I was watching this episode of, uh, The Fresh Prince, when it's the uh-huh. episode where Hillary is throwing a Halloween party, so the whole family goes to the mall. But mm-hmm. Uncle Phil, he doesn't want to buy a costume, so he goes to the tech store, and the tech guy starts selling him all this random shit that he doesn't need. It's like a, a pencil <laughs> counter to know when your pencil needs to get sharpened, like random shit. That's crazy. Yeah, that sounds like something I might do. <laughs> <laughs> but see, so you're part of the group of, what's that called? Early adopters. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's who I fit into. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on with us, Walter. Um, Anytime. <laughs> I really appreciate you. Always fun. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode, Money Captain. Can't wait to see you next time.